Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. Just that they had a great faith, and and that was that's the kind of the legacy that I took away from um, from all this service is that the Lord is there. He protects you. He blesses you. He helps you with anything that you need help with. As long as you have faith and ask in faith, you're going to be blessed. Every missionary was an example of faith and diligence and perseverance. Um, sometimes they'd get discouraged. Mm-hmm. We'd have to talk to them and help them remember their purpose. And But then they would all just get back on the horse and go back on out there. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and sitting alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. Hello. <laughs> We're excited. We've got the Rollies here with us. Um, it's been like a probably a couple months in, in the making of getting all the schedules lined up, so we're really excited to have you guys here. And the Rollies are our first mission president couple to, to be on the podcast. Um, so what was, what was the official name of the mission you served in? Or served over. Yeah, because there's multiple, right? Multiple, yeah. Um, So now they call us mission leaders um, because they want to be more inclusive. But uh, I was mission president over the Indonesia-Jakarta mission, and Robin was mission president companion. And then then they transferred us and called us to serve over the Singapore-Malaysia mission. And so we were mission president companion over that. Um, So we actually preside over two missions, five different countries. So it included um, a new country called Timor-Leste, dedicated by Elder Holland oh, wow. in 2015. Um, and then uh, when we uh, were called to serve in Singapore and Malaysia, we had the country of Brunei, Singapore, and Malaysia. And that included East Malaysia and West Malaysia. So did your mission split? And you got called to a new one or did you get a phone call saying, oh, hey, we're going to switch you? Yeah, we got transferred. So uh, basically transferred, released from one and called to the other okay. one. Okay. So it's kind of cool. Um, back up though, when I was um, 19, I got called to the Southeast Asia mission. And it included Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Brunei, Timor-Leste, the, all that area, Sri Lanka. So the mission president assignment was over that same area. Okay. So basically I was, we were returning home. My uh, mission president lived in Singapore and um, Robin and I ended up um, having our mission president office in Singapore. Oh, wow. On the same property. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a, it's coming home. Yeah. yeah it's a reunion. 40 years 40 later. Years later. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, in Indonesia, when we were mission presidents there, um, our mission president office and mission president home, um, uh, mission leader home, is was on the very footprint of where I was 40 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. So let, let's break this down for a second, though. Oh, do you want to say something? He <laughs> just needs to hold it so up a little we, closer. We've talked about what it's like for young men and young women to get mission calls. Uh, and they get, now it's an email or they get a letter in the mail. How do you get called to be a mission president? Is it one of those things where you're like, oh, let's go, let's go serve a mission. And they're like, you get your mission call. And yeah, were you asking to serve as a senior couple? And then they're like, actually. Yeah. Like, how plans. does it work? What was going on? 
do you want me to tackle that one? Okay. <laughs> um, you never request. Um, it's kind of the four uh, R's of a calling, uh, unwritten order of the church. But we don't request a calling. We don't refuse a calling. We don't um, retain a calling. You know, it's really up to inspiration and in the Lord. As mission president and companion, um, you don't apply. Uh, so a senior couple, uh, if your mom and dad want to go on a mission, they'd get their affairs in order. They'd go in and see the bishop. They'd say, hey, we'd like to start go on a senior mission. And the bishop would open a, a link now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'd fill it out and do their medical and all of that. And then they'd have a final interview with the bishop, one with the stake president. He'd go to the missionary department. Your mom and dad would get a call. So that's how senior couples uh, apply and go on a mission. Um, for mission presidents, um, there is no request. There is no application. <laughs> there is no um, anything. We had no idea. I was a practicing lawyer and Superior Court judge, and uh, we were uh, just turned 60. And we had a plan when we were 65 to retire and sell my interest in the firm to my partners and go on a mission. Uh-huh. So uh, we had five more years of, of it, was in the, it was in the plans just five years. <laughs> yeah, but later. it was going to be as a senior couple. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and at the time you were in the YSA stake presidency. I was right. Okay. Uh, and Robin was on the in the YSA serving in uh, relief site, I believe. Um, and um, I happened to be flying down in Benson and uh, taken. Uh, client down there. Anyway, um, my Bluetooth turned on and I looked at my iPhone and, um, you know, I still got the, um, the, uh, voicemail, but anyway, it said, hi, this is so-and-so from Elder Oaks office (laughs) and Elder Oaks would like to visit with you. And I'm like, your heart just, (laughs) and I hung up, I called Robin. I said, I think it's a joke. Oh, you really? Know? Yeah, I thought it was Sumner or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, one that of those guys. Sense. Somebody in the war. Yeah, yeah. yeah I told you hard time. <laughs> that. And uh, so I didn't even call him back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and I told Robin, I said, you think I'm calling back? And anyway, I I called back and she answered and she said, hi, this is so-and-so from Elder Oaks office. I said, really? And I didn't know Elder Oaks, never met him, you know, seen him at conference, but mm-hmm. we had no relationship. Um, and uh, anyway, um, they have... Um, um, potential mission president, um, research department. And I think they get, uh, recommendations from priesthood leaders, but they never tell you who or how or anything like that. <laughs> you don't know if you're on the list. You no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> and you'd never ask. And I think if you did say, Hey, I want to be a mission president one day, that would be very, uh, strange. Yeah. And cause no one would ever re- West that kind of <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sister yeah. Rolly's over here shaking her head. And uh, then the way the process works is uh, they invite you to a visit with one of the 12. Uh, our, our visit was with Elder Oaks. And uh, so we flew up there and, and you can now do it on, on a Zoom call or WebEx or something like that. But we actually went up there and our kids thought it was really funny because when I go, when we go visit, I'm dressed really casual mm-hmm. and we're dressed like this and we say, Hey, we'll see you in a couple hours, you know? And, and, uh, but anyway, we went into the, um, we weren't supposed to tell anybody what we were doing. That's why. That's right. Oh, so that's why oh, they so thought it was weird that you guys were like flaunt dressed a little more. Normal. That's right. And just gotcha. so, some context, uh, brother Rolly or president Rolly, he 
he flies, he has an airplane and flies it all over the place. So your kids probably always saw you fly in Bermuda shorts and, exactly. you know, a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And so now Makes you're all, sense. you're dressed in Sunday and they're like, okay, what's going on? Right. Yeah. And we would never leave them at noon, you know, <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, in Salt Lake, we'd be playing with them. But anyway, uh, so you have an interview and you go in an office at the church office building and, um, and he shut the door and we sat down and, uh, Robin and I were on a, on a couch and he was there at the desk uh, or at a little table and he, nice as can be engaging, loving, sweet, um, vibrant, healthy, uh, spirit filled, but just, uh, awesome. And, um, you had about an hour interview and you didn't feel uncomfortable at all. He'd talk to Robin and he said, sister, Oli, tell me about your family and go ahead. You want to add, um, how you felt about that interview. <laughs> yeah, it was really a spiritual experience. He was just, you know, awesome and sweet and yeah. um, not intimidating at all. Sometimes I think in his talks, he's very He's got a strong, straight. booming voice. Yes, and yeah, he yes. can come across. Yeah. But he was just really sweet and kind and just awesome. So the interview's an hour long. Interview's about an hour and he has a file, but he doesn't show it to you. Okay. But he would ask me questions. He said, he said, Hey, you're a scuba diver. Tell me about di oh. diving for dead bodies. You know, <laughs> how does he know this? Yeah. So he knew all the hobbies and all yeah. that. Yeah. And they, they have my website, you know, from the law firm. Uh -huh. And they said, tell us about your law experience. And you were a Superior Court judge part-time. Yeah. And well, anyway, he practiced law too, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. He was really, he was a member of the Supreme Utah Court Supreme Court. Oh, wow. And he could have probably been, um, United States Supreme Court Justice. Wow. That's how prominent he was. Um, anyway, about an hour at the end of the interview, uh, oh, he, he says, uh, are you worthy to hold a temple recommend? And then he asks you other questions. Are you, if you did receive a, they tell you in that interview, they said, your name is, is being looked at as mission president and companion. Um, we interview a whole bunch of brethren and they all don't get called. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you never get a call from us, don't feel bad. Nothing wrong with you or anything like that. But this is uh, an introductory interview and don't mention it to your family because you may never get called. And, and, um, and so when you leave here, just kind of forget that we met, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is really hard. But, um, oh, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, um, they want to make sure that if you got a call, um, could you leave? Could you leave your family? So they mm. wanted to know about my parents who had passed, her parents had passed, finances. Are, yeah. you, are you out of debt enough that you could go and, and leave your profession? And uh, so anyway, really nice interview. And then at the end of the interview, he, he, and he said, now, let's see, what languages do you speak? And I said, well, I speak Spanish. And, um, and we talked about Mexico. And he said, but don't you speak some other language? And I said, well, yeah, I speak Indonesian. And he goes, oh. <laughs> uh, and um, anyway, so we left. And um, about, I don't know, six weeks later, uh, we got a call from President Iring's office. Wow. And, um, and they said, President Iring would like to meet with you on a... Um, Back then they used WebEx or, mm. or um, it was a video call. Video call. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we said, okay. And by then you kind of had a feeling uh, that something was going on. And um, President Iring was in his office. He came in, he sat down. And the day before they had a guy like you, two guys that would join with us on a video call at our house 
all remotely mm -hmm. and they'd say, okay, now sit up and raise your computer and shut that window. And, oh, really? Yeah, yeah they wanted right. the quality of the interview to be real. Uh -huh. And um, so anyway, we did that. And so Sister Rolly and I sat down and President Irene comes in and it was just like we're sitting, yeah. um, you know, five feet apart. And uh, he was really loving, engaging, sweet. I'd never met him before. And th so the 12 do the interviewing, the recommendations are made to the corner of the 12, and then the calls are made by the first presidency. Oh, wow. And so President Irene issued the call and um, he had already received the recommendation and they had approved our names. We didn't know that. And then um, he said, he said, uh, brother Rowley, he said, um, let's get to it. <laughs> and, um, and then he said, uh, we'd like to call you to uh, serve as mission president and uh, in the Indonesia Carter mission. And Sister Rolly, we'd like to call you as mission president uh, companion. And um, uh, will you accept that call? And I looked at Robin and Sister Rolly and I said, well, and what was your answer, Sister Rolly? <laughs> My answer was we already made that decision 40 years ago when we uh, received our endowment and and committed to do whatever the Lord asked us to do. So the answer is yes, because we already we already made that choice. That's awesome. And I told President Irene, I said, I don't feel worthy or qualified to serve as a mission president. Um, and I believe he said something like, well, that's a, that's good because, uh, that's what we like to see, you know, uh, <laughs> rather than someone come in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like entitlement or whatever. And so I said, sure. President Iring, if that's the Lord's will and, and the first presidency has faith and trust in us, we, we do it. And then he was really funny. He says, wait a minute. He says, you're a lawyer. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, don't you want to know the fine print? <laughs> yeah, and, like uh, what's the I'll have my people talk to your people, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he had a sheet of paper. And um basically it was you, you leave for 3 years, you can't come home. Um you, the church doesn't pay your house payment if you had a payment. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't pay any debts, you know, that kind of thing. Um and um and you know, they just say you don't have vacation time where you can travel or yeah, yeah. Uh, 3 years full it's, time. It's, yeah. It's, it's work. Just, it's work. Yeah. yeah. And so they just go through a few things like that. So anyway, that's what happened. And then basically that was at the end of the year, 2015. And then they said, don't say anything until this goes, um, through the missionary department, what they call the MEC missionary executive committee. And then a letter comes out the first part of January and, um, you get your official call in writing. Um, now, like you said, they mm -hmm. have e-calls yeah, yeah, yeah. back then you actually got a piece of paper and an email and, and then, uh, they asked us not to say anything until it came out in the church news and that comes out in the church news, like in January. So uh, from the first meeting to when you were able to tell your kids, or I guess they would have found out potentially through the church news, how, how much time had passed? Uh, two months end of, oh, okay. end of October to first. So January. it was relatively quick. Yeah. One of the questions I always like to ask missionaries when they get their call is what were your thoughts? So President Rowley, we kind of talked about, you know, you, you were going home. This was a reunion for you. You had served here before. This is probably exciting. Oh, I'm sure you were like trying and, so hard not to like jump up and down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> were you excited to go back or because I'm sure there were kind of tough conditions there as well when you had served, I imagine. Yeah. A little bit about the background. It's uh, Indonesia has 260 million people. 
and you'll see in the pictures, but it's one of the most densely populated and poor countries in the world, um, predominantly Muslim, 75, mm -hmm. 80% Muslim. Um, so you can't proselyte like you would normally think. You can't uh, teach about Christ like you would normally do. You um, have restrictions from the government on where and how you travel and all of that. And then um, the food and the living conditions, and um, it's a really, really tough um environment mm -hmm. 90 degrees 90 percent humidity rains every day you sweat all the time um, <laughs> food is very poor uh, our missionaries didn't have air conditioning no toilets uh, no toilet paper uh, no showers um, even anyway it's it no was, hot water that's no what hot. I thought would be hard even though it's a hard you know it's a, a hot a place yeah. Yeah. I would still want to have hot water <laughs> yeah. when I wash my hair we have Sisters had long, long, beautiful hair. Somehow, without a shower, they managed really? to wash their hair in a bucket of water, cold oh, water. Oh, wow. So, now, for mission leaders, you know, they we have an apartment. Yeah. I had hot water. We, we, had, we had hot <laughs> water. For sure. Right. I had right. a shower. I had toilet paper. <laughs> we had a nice place. So, to so usually when, when a young man or young woman gets her call, the first thing they do when everybody leaves is they go and Google, right? Mm -hmm. So you had already been there. So were, were you briefing Robin on like, okay, this is what it's going to be like, or were you over <laughs> yeah, there? Robin, what, what were your thoughts on? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't think we mentioned this before, but uh, we knew each other before his mission. So um, okay. I had letters every week from his mission and ah. I had pictures and I, I knew a lot about the mission. Okay. Um, just from, you know, secondhand from him serving there. But um, I'd also heard, you know, what he just described about the mm -hmm. conditions there. So um, I was a little hesitant about going there because I knew it wasn't going to be um, what I was used to, obviously. And it was and, you know, until you really get there, you can never really understand what things are like. But it was a big culture shock for me to go there, even though I was I felt pretty prepared. Uh -huh. You know, when you're walking down the street and you see four cats are just lying there with three rats jumping over the top of them yeah. and the cats, the rats are bigger than the cats and the yeah. cats are afraid <laughs> of the rats. That to me was really, you know, it was scary to have rats and, oh, and I'm sure. you know, I mean, it's just you, anybody who served in a third world country understands that, but it was, um, uncomfortable for a while. So this was like, you're, it was, you were just as, as green as any other missionary. Oh, yeah. right? I was very green. <laughs> yeah, I was super green. That's awesome. So it was kind of fast forwarding, you get your mission call and then like all missionaries, you get set apart and you kind of go to the, you go to the MTC as well. I imagine there's some type of, is it two weeks for mission presidents or, or I don't even know how that works for, I mean, you have, you have like a lifetime of church experiences, but like what, what does the church do to prepare you to be a mission president? Uh, a great question. I, uh, it's, um, it's about a three and a half year assignment by the time you get your call as mission leaders. And then, and then by the time you get released three and a half years later. So it started with us in about January of 2016. And then we got released in July of 2019. So three and a half years um, before you leave for the mission president seminar, uh, in starting in February, they have a, every two or three week uh, video call. Mm -hmm with um, someone in the missionary department and they kind of um, begin to train you. So preach my gospel uh, is the 
treatise. Handbook, yeah. It's the handbook for missionaries. And so we got right in and preached my gospel. And, um, and then they have a mission presence handbook, you know, that talks about transfers and things like that. So you read on that and then you talk with a couple of brethren and sisters like you. And, and, um, so every three or four weeks we'd have a video call. Now I spoke Indonesian and Malay. Had you kept that up over the 40 no, years or you kind of had to re I had to relearn it, but I immediately turned off my Spanish and my brain mm-hmm. and started listening to conference talk translations in, in Bahasa. Uh, that's what we call it. Bahasa. And, um, and then I started studying again, but the spirit guides you. And so for me, it came back. Um, and even Elder Oaks, when he set us apart, he gave me a beautiful blessing that um, the language wouldn't be a problem. And so um, I was able to, to acquire that blessing quickly. But I have to add, he was an amazing student of the language. He, was, he just picked it up, you know, it was yeah. just... The first day, it, he was really good, and then he just kept getting better and better and better. So he's he definitely has been blessed with the gift of tongues. He's, yeah. he's and awesome. how was awesome. it for you? I didn't have that same blessing. Okay, <laughs> well, I, I you know it's obviously my mission president's wife, Sister Pickett. She learned Portuguese, but it was very. English Portuguese, right? Yeah. I mean, so but, but you were called you to learn it too, right? Well, they told me when, right when I was getting set apart, Elder Gong and Elder Oak said, you know, you don't really need to worry about learning the language. You've got enough on your plate to take care <laughs> oh, of. Oh, okay. Without, trying to, <laughs> without putting pressure on yourself. And some senior couples in our mission did try and learn the language uh-huh. and, and they did a great job. They're amazing. Okay. Um, I learned not that I could bear my testimony. Um, I could, you know, stumble through a few sentences and talk to people a little bit. But gotcha. Every time I did that, like if I got up and gave a talk in church and, and use my Bahasa, um, it was fine. But then afterwards people come up to me and start talking to me like I, <laughs> like I it. knew what I was talking <laughs> yeah. about. And then I get in trouble because they'd say things really quickly and yeah. fast. And um, yeah, that was, that well, was not of that. Your companions is like, well, he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would, he would well. translate for me when gotcha. I would give a talk because the translators that they had, were good, but he was, he knew what I was thinking of and what mm. I, where I wanted to go with that. And so it was always better when, when my husband was the translator for my talks, we talked every week on, oh, I wow. mean, that's one of the things you do. And, yeah. and sometimes several times during, you know, a Sunday there, maybe if you're lucky, you got to go to two or three meetings gotcha. in the same building or close by. And so we were, we would always speak and I didn't speak very long, but I had to have a lot of talks, you know, ready to go and, and, um, keep track of when I'd given which talk at which, building, <laughs> so I didn't, repeat. but my husband was always the best translator. That's awesome. Now, so, oh, sorry. Let me, let me go back to yeah. your, the chronology. Yes. So, uh, during February, March, April, May, uh, you're having every three week, uh, sessions for an hour. And then the outgoing mission president is given permission to then call you. So. President Donald was our predecessor. They call us and they'd say, Hey, let's talk about the mission, mm-hmm. you know? And so you get a little bit of uh, preparatory time there. Sister Donald, the, the mission president companion would talk to Robin, like what kind of dresses do you bring and what kind of shoes do you bring? And what about, uh, do I need hair uh, shampoo or, you know? And also because I was going to be the mission nurse, she'd kind of, 
clue me in on what her responsibilities were as um, because we were over the any kind of health issues yeah. with the missionaries. Gotcha. That was a big challenge, but she, she kind of prepped me for that. So, so for about three months, February, March, April, May, or March, April, May, June, you had uh, maybe four or five uh, hour and a half sessions with the missionary department and uh, two or three hour conferences with the outgoing mission president. And then, um, and then you report to uh, Salt Lake and when we reported Salt Lake, um, you then get set apart. Uh, the mission president seminar, by the way, is only three days. <laughs> For senior couples, you're right, Jordan, it's, it's two weeks. Two or weeks. Like that. Gotcha. Huh? And you spend one week and preach my gospel and then one week in your specialty. And we might talk about that for senior couples, but like MLS, mission member leader support or public affairs. Yeah. Um, but um, three days. And so right before we went into the MTC in Provo, um, I got set apart in Elder Oaks office by Elder Oaks and, uh, Robin got set apart by Elder Gong. He was a member of the 70 at the time. And, um, and then you're set apart as a full-time, uh, missionaries. And, um, so we're full-time missionaries, just like you were, mm -hmm. um, the mission president, we receive priesthood keys. Okay. Um, and, um, so you actually hold priesthood keys over all the missionary work in your assigned area and over the branches and the districts. So in Jakarta, for instance, there was a stake. And so I didn't hold priesthood keys for the stake presidency or the high council. So they manage it just like uh, the church you see here. In Malaysia, we had six districts, no stakes, and 32 branches. And so um, I would do all of the callings for the district presidencies, uh, the branch presidents, I would have to approve. I've got a list I can go over with you, but uh, signing patriarchal blessing recommends if they were going to go out of the country, stakes or branches and districts don't have patriarchs. Um, anyway, you're given priesthood keys over all of that. Um, uh, uh, matters affecting membership worthiness in the church uh, went to the stake president. I mean, to the mission president in a district. Gotcha. And so I handled those as well. So anyway, you got, we bought, got priesthood keys and then we went three days, uh, June 25th to 6th, 7th. Um, and then we flew over to Asia. And uh, when we landed, the mantle transfers. So this outgoing mission president was at the airport. He picked us up. Uh, he spent three hours with me and Robin. And he flew away. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's, it's just like Elisha and Elisha, the mantle comes down yeah. and you put it on and you're. Yeah. Wow. And I'd like to hear from Sister Oi how you felt when they left. <laughs> you're like. <laughs> Abandoned. <laughs> um, no, it was crazy. We both looked at each other and we were just like, whoa, what are we going to do? I just remember we looked at each other and walked back to our house and we were like, wow, it was just overwhelming to know that you were in charge of all those missionaries in that whole country. Um, and it was just you, it was just, just him. He was, he was the one. And believe me, we started getting calls right away. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it and, was great. And in your, and, and that's when you really first realize that the Lord has a hand in the work uh, because you couldn't, possibly do what um, any mission 
leaders are called to do without the guidance of the spirit and the Lord. You couldn't do it. And so we would just try to do our best. And like you said, there's not a lot of training for it. Mm. Elder Oaks, I think Robin asked Elder Oaks about that, or maybe I said something, but he said, you know, you've been training your whole life. Uh, you, you have children, you have grandchildren, uh, you've served in multiple church callings. And so, uh, you've been preparing your whole life. So anyway, you just have to have faith that the Lord is their guidance. And so we realized early on in the mission that, um, this is way bigger than what, um, we ever imagined. And you just tried to do your best and, um, and then the Lord would make up the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think grace definitely tends the missionary and we're learning the mission president Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was and sister, you did a fantastic job of documenting you guys' mission on Instagram and I got to kind of follow along and it's really cool to see you share experiences or stories of president Rolly going back and seeing some of the same people that you had taught or had served with 40 years earlier do you mind, do you mind sharing maybe some of those people that you were able to, to reconnect with and, and kind of how that, that went? Cause I think for me as a missionary, feel free to take a drink if you need to. For me as a missionary, I, I really worry, like, do, would the people even remember me, you know? And, uh, you got to go back and maybe they didn't, but I'm sure some did obviously, cause there's, you know, pictures taken and, and memories preserved. Mm-hmm. Here's a picture, and I've shared the album with you. <laughs> yes, yes. This but is- that's the young Elder Rolly, and this is in Bandung, and uh, this is in 1977. Wow, good times. So 45 years ago, and um, and I taught this family, and we baptized him, them. Uh-huh. Um, the little boy is now 55. And he came up to us in a, a sacrament meeting and he said, President Rowley, here is my mom and dad. And <laughs> no way. Yeah. He, he had this picture. Uh-huh. He gave it to us. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And that's a picture that he had and he's now the eldest corn president. Wow. Uh, so that's an example of um, miracles and tender mercies. And that would happen to us uh, all over the islands. There was also another neat um, experience. One of our missionaries, I think he'd already, he was already serving when we came in and he came up to us in his own conference and said, you are the reason I'm here. And we're like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, my mother was taught by someone that president Rowley taught. Oh, wow. So he, president Rowley taught this um, young lady and she went on to become a, a missionary. And then she, as she served, she met this young man's future mother and and taught her the gospel. And now the son was back in serving in the mission. Wow. That was pretty pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. There's no coincidences in the church and especially with Heavenly Father's plan. And you you were in the place where you needed to be 40 years earlier and now 40 years later. and. Let me see if I can get through this story here. You have a picture uh, of it, but uh, this is a a good friend of mine and he was one of my first companions 45 years ago in Indonesia. He was the first Indonesian missionary. What do you mean by that? He was the first local 
missionary to serve in Indonesia from Indonesia. And back then they didn't go to a temple to get endowed. They didn't go to an MTC. So they just found this young man who was 19 and they called him to be a missionary. And they said, you're going to serve right in your home country. (laughs) And um, so they assigned me to be his companion. And uh, we had a great time. We served together. And um, this picture was taken in uh, November of 2016. So fast forward 45 years later in Jakarta, I'm the mission president. And um, this um, former companion of mine um, had, uh, was no longer a member of the church. And um, he was on a bus and two elders, our uh, own leaders was on the bus in Jakarta. And, um, started talking to him and he said, well, I was in your church and I was an elder. And, uh, and they said, really? They said, yeah. And, um, and then they said, who, he said, who's your mission president? And they said, president Rowley. He said, no, that was my companion. Robin and I went over his house. He had married a Muslim lady, um, and, uh, had a, a business and, but he never lost his testimony of the gospel. Wow. And it, when we went into his house, he had books by Carl G. Mazur and um, Jesus the Christ and um, uh, Marvelous Work and Wonder and Bruce R. McConkie and uh, Ensign Magazines and all mm. of that. And so um, I asked our zone leaders to go out of their area and continue teaching the gospel. And then Robin and I went over and uh, helped in the lessons. But through a series of events, um, um, I was able to baptize him. Wow. Baptize him wow. into the church <laughs> and awesome. um, gave him his priesthood blessings. And um, he since went to the temple. That's awesome. And, um, and still married to the same lady. And uh-huh. we assured him and her that, you know, this shouldn't affect that. He's a, he loves her and, and that's great. Anyway, imagine him when he was 19 teaching the gospel with this. And then, 46 years later, my elders ran into him on the bus and I got to baptize him and, uh, and then confirm him and give him the priesthood. So that's amazing. Uh, amazing story. I, so I have two things. One part of the podcast is prepare the called, but also remind the returned. And sometimes I feel like I have companions that might be dodging me or don't want to talk to me because they're not as active in the church. And I love that in this experience. And like, I think we can all, yeah. Like a, a test, like even if you leave the church, like regardless of your decisions, I will love you forever. Yeah. And I'm sure with that companion, like there's no love lost at all. And is is an old friend that you got to catch up with and is a fantastic experience. And, um, but the other part of that was, or, or continuing on, you know, we talked as a mission president and, and companion, you do what the missionaries do. You're, you're the example. What was contacting like in a country where, you know, there was restrictions and at least I know having read preach my gospel, if ever you taught someone that was of the Islamic faith, you'd have to go to the mission president before for the, you know, the baptismal interview and all that. Were you interviewing people all the time or like, yeah, tell us. Yeah. So we, uh, in, depending on the country we served in Malaysia had different restrictions than Singapore. Singapore was different than Indonesia. And, um, and so we had to be careful. Uh, some, localities we couldn't knock doors Mm. 
But if somebody approached you and said, where are you from? What's that name tag? I want to hear more about it. You could teach them. Uh, in uh, Malaysia, even if they said that, you couldn't teach them. Interesting. Yeah. And so they couldn't come to church. We couldn't teach them. And we just have to say, hey, you're an awesome guy, but sorry, we're not allowed to uh, contact you or talk to you about the church. Huh. And so we, we followed the laws and made sure that all of our missionaries um, did the same thing. Um, I was going to ask you become when, when you're a mission president and I can't say this cause I've never been a mission president, but on my side, mission, my mission presidents were, were like adoptive parents to me and you get to know all these missionaries and all their stories and, and where they come from. Is, is there any maybe examples or stories of, of, of lessons that you learned from these missionaries, things that they had taught you from their service? Just that they had a great faith and, and that was that's the kind of the legacy that I took away from, um, from all this service is that the Lord is there. He, um, he protects you. He blesses you. He helps you with anything that you need help with. As long as you have faith and ask in faith, you're going to be blessed. So sometimes you'd look out and you'd see these missionaries um, doing really hard things. And I would just wonder, how are they able to do this? It was a hot and sweaty place. I felt dehydrated all the time. And um, I would have to, they had this stuff called Pakari sweat. Is that what it was called? And it's like Gatorade, only a lot better than Gatorade. Anyway, <laughs> you drink that stuff just, just to survive. And yet these missionaries are out there doing a lot harder things than I ever had to do. But they're, you know, they're just faithful and strong. So I, I couldn't point out one specific example, but every example, they're just, every missionary was an example of faith and diligence and perseverance. Um, sometimes they'd get discouraged. Mm -hmm. We'd have to talk to them and help them remember their purpose. And, but then they would all just get back on the horse and go back on out there. I dealt a lot with people who were ill. And so I guess that would be one of the examples of faith is just, even though, you know, they were scared, they were away from home, they mm -hmm. were um, really ill to be talking to me. They'd have to be pretty sick and they'd have to go to these hospitals that were very scary, frankly. Uh, sometimes I would just try to do anything to avoid sending them to the hospital because oh, sure. that was not a great place to be. When you got that bad, you, I mean, it, the the conditions were just not, like we want or expect. So a lot of times I had to just rely on, rely on faith from Heavenly Father. I'd just pray while I'm talking to him, please help me know what to ask him or to tell him. And I, Heavenly Father always came through for me and we got the right questions answered and, and, um, and we got them the help they needed. Um, we were fortunate that no one died while we were on our mission. That was my greatest fear uh, was that, something would happen to one of our elders or sisters. We were blessed that that didn't happen, but we had some that had really severe um, medical conditions that probably will affect them their whole life. Oh, wow. So, that's scary. Oh, I'm sure. That's a big responsibility. Yeah. So I remember one time on my mission, the vibe just wasn't healthy. Um, I don't know if, it was because of Carnival, uh, you know, we had the whole country kind of shuts down, but I remember we had a zone conference and sister Pickett um, 
gave us all a number one or two and we went on either side of the culture hall and she put toilet paper in the middle and we went and played dodgeball <laughs> to kind of liven the, the situation. Of, what were some of the things that you guys did as an admission president that might've been a little bit different, but helped the morale of, you know, cause you know, these, these kids, they're far from home. You know, they're sick. They're eating food that they've never eaten before. Speaking so one of five languages. They yeah. One of five before. languages. What were some of the things that you guys would do, you know, maybe activity wise or just, you know, words of comfort that you give these kids? I'll let sister really, you can answer that. I, let me get, walk you through the, the um, gatherings you mentioned zone conference and maybe some of the newly called missionaries don't know the process, but, um, now, uh, and when you were there, did you have a zone conference every three months, every, every three months, 90 days? Every three months. So my, yeah. mine used to, it was every month and then it switched yeah. towards the end. So they went, when we got there, it was every 90 days and now it's every six weeks. Okay. So, um, every transfer you'd have a zone conference and, um, and, um, so you'd have zones and we didn't bring all the missionaries together, but you would go out to them and meet with, you know, the East zone, the central zone and the West zone kind of a thing. And, um, and, and then in addition to the zone conferences, the missionaries in their district, so that's say four elders and two sisters or, you know, eight or 10 elders and sisters would meet once a week for a district meeting, right? You did that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then sister Rolly and I, every transfer would go out to the missionaries and then I would interview every missionary. And while I was interviewing every missionary, either during his own conference or during a transfer, <coughs> sister Rolly would, um, take care of any health issues, uh, visit with the sisters on any of their sister issues would visit with, um, uh, would teach them. And so you'll see some pictures where sister Rolly's teaching all the missionaries how to lead music or how to sew up their pants that are torn <laughs> or how to put a button on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, um, so, um, we would try to use opportunities like that. And then the dodgeball example, we would usually do a sports okay. activity where we do something just to you know, break it up a little bit, break yeah. it up a little bit. And they look forward to that. And missionaries love to eat. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and sister Rolly was always uh, overseeing the food. And so when the missionaries came in, uh, they ate very well, uh, lots of food and, uh, lots of dessert and, and, uh, we didn't have a lot of weight problems in the mission cause everybody's riding bikes and yeah. they're working so hard, you know? And so we could feed them pretty good during, during that. We had donuts at every zone conference and every MLC. We always had donuts. That was our break food. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them what MLC is. Oh, Mission Leadership Council. Gotcha. But we'd always have, I mean, that's what I remember about Indonesia is they loved donuts and they would deliver them on a, on a, uh, Motorcycle uh -huh. stacked high. <laughs> order lots of dozens donuts. So what is it? I mean, there's Bosa donuts here in Arizona, and they're Indonesian. I don't know uh, if you I knew can't that. Remember the? Uh, is that, uh, is I, that right? I, I asked them once, and they said they're Indonesian. I okay. Was, is, do they just like donuts in they Indonesia? They love donuts. I think it's because Dutch people settled. There, oh, oh, that makes sense. And that's probably the influence is the the Dutch and the. So every every zone conference, or I don't know what what did you call it? Some uh, MLC. MLC. You'd have just 
donuts. We always had donuts. We had <laughs> avocado donuts. Yeah. We have. Uh, we didn't order the green tea donuts. That that's. I mean, they have a million different. Kinds oh of my donuts. goodness! I'm sure. Crazy. It's really crazy. Um, a fun food example is Indonesia and Malaysia and Singapore. Pretty much rice, uh, chicken. You know that kind of thing. Uh, vegetables, tofu. But um, there's not a subway in Indonesia or East or West Malaysia. Subway sandwich. Subway sandwich. Oh, okay. I was like, oh. And so when you come to Singapore, um, the subway sandwich shop was just a block from the mission office. And so we spent thousands and thousands of dollars uh, <laughs> at Subway. And, um, you know, you wouldn't think Subway would be, you know, Subway sandwiches would be their rave, but everybody craved a little piece of home, man. A little, little piece of Subway yeah. sandwich, you know. And no donuts were served in Singapore. We were healthy over there. For yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't ride bikes. So um, health is important. Um, I wanted to get back, Jordan, to your question about um, friends that have come home from the mission and maybe lost their way a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and then tie that into um, your other question about uh, missionaries receiving their calls. Um, th the process is when the young missionary meets with his bishop. If he, um, say he has some health issues and he works through that, he gets his immunizations, works through that and, uh, gets called to Indonesia or to Singapore or, um, that call letter goes out. And then the missionary here accepts the call letter. Um, more and more we want Indonesians serving in Indonesia and Singaporeans serving in Singapore and Malaysians serving in Malaysia, Brazilians serving in Brazil. Um, there's cross pollination. So in both of our missions, um, in Indonesia, we had more because the missionary local missionary force was more developed, but say you had 40 Indonesian locals serving in Indonesia and 65, uh, foreign missionaries, foreign meaning Americans, yeah, US, uh, Canadians, Germans, New Zealand's Australians, right? Um, but anyway, um, so when those calls are made, then the missionary gets called. So you open your e-call and it says, um, you know, dear brother, elder carpenter, you're hereby called to serve in the Indonesia Jakarta mission and you report on, uh, August 23rd. And when you got your call, it was in April, so May, June, July, August. So three or four months, right? The mission president, I would get um, an email from the church and it said, here's 12 elders and sisters that have been assigned to your mission. Three are assigned to speak this language. Seven are assigned to speak this language, one here. Um, and so I'd pull up their information. So I'd see your picture. And that's why it's important when you're applying for your mission, take a good picture, take a good picture, yeah. wear a nice shirt, um, answer the question. Don't just put, Oh yeah, I like to play Frisbee, you know, uh, but put down something that's meaningful that the brethren in Salt Lake, uh, when they issue the call, I mean, they actually sit in front of a big screen. They say your picture, they see your missionary recommendation form. They're there with a the member of the 70 and they're praying about it and they receive inspiration. Oh yeah. You need to go to Indonesia. You need to go to Malaysia. And, and then I get that, I get the, the whole form. file, yeah. yeah, the file. So I know their parents, I know their mission president, their stake president, their bishop, 
I've got all that information. I know that they played sports in high school or they were a straight A student or a sterling scholar or got accepted to the Air Force Academy. You, you know all of that. And so three months before you get to me, um, I'm reading and praying and studying and trying to figure out where am I going to put him? And because you want the first experience in the mission to be very impactful. It sets the culture for the missionary and it sets his course for his entire mission. So that's really important. And so you would um, do that, but every single missionary was different. So there was nobody that was the same. And so some were good leaders and some were not, some were uh, could look you in the eye and some had difficulty with it. Some could speak uh, coherently and then some were very timid. Some you uh, they didn't speak the language well and some did and uh, some were athletic and some were kind of, you know, um, overweight. Um, anyway, all everything you could imagine, uh, they were different and that's the Lord's plan, you know. And so when you go on your mission, you'll be different than the other missionaries, uh, but you have a common cause and that's to invite others to come into Christ. And so we all work towards that end. And we're not trying to turn everybody into robot missionaries at all, say the same thing and do the same thing. It's all uh, led by the Lord and the spirit. And, um, and convert baptisms are very important. Uh, one of our, our mottos in our not motto, but one of our mission purposes was to teach repentance and baptize converts, but more important than convert baptisms more important than reactivating less actives, Uh, more important than building the kingdom or establishing the church in an island in Indonesia. The most important was our missionaries. And, and that's the, the, the beauty of missionary program is that um, if you all serve missions and then you come home, you've been in down, you find a sweetheart, you get married in the temple. Uh, you become a leader in the church. You have children. And then we have second, third, fourth, multi-generational families um, that serve missions. Um, that's the, the miracle of missionary work. And if we continue to do that, as we continue to do that, it's the lifeblood of the church. And so to us, that became very clear that our highest priority was the success of the missionary and to help him or her have a great experience and return home um, different than they'd ever been, you know, uh, with testimony of the Book of Mormon and testimony of the atonement. Today, Robin and I listened to a Zoom missionary that got home from his mission yesterday up in Logan, and he served with us. And when we got him two years ago and when he got released, totally got him. <laughs> Remember when you got home or when you got home, um, you know, your parents were like, how, what they do with Zach, (laughs) you know, what they do with Jordan. Me especially. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's, um, it's important to hear. Um, I don't, I'll speak for myself. Um, my mission president was a very pinnacle person, mission president, you know, husband and wife in my spiritual progression. Um, and they didn't have to, 
it wasn't any lesson they taught or any handshake that I got or anything like that. It was just that they were there much like sister Rolly said. Um, and you make me want to go email my mission president <laughs> and tell him how much I appreciate him and, and tell him how much of an example, you know, he was to me, you know, go, going into his mission. Like you said, I really, I really, and you know, respect that you said you get all these missionaries from all walks of life and that you are there to invest in them. Because we talk about when we interview 40 people, we say, what was the main thing your mission president taught you? I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Um, I just have so much respect for you guys for, for saying that. And it means the world to me to hear that, that, that investment is being made because that was what was made in me. And that's why I still have so much respect for the members of the church and have a testimony. It was because of my mission presidents solidified that for me. So I have the utmost respect for you guys. And I know, you know, it had to have been the most challenging thing, but I'm sure it's one of the most rewarding things that you can ever have. Well, that's exactly I mean, you're right. The reason that we were able to do it is, as my husband's mentioned, is because the Lord was there with us. I mean, he blessed us. We felt that mantle um, descend. And uh, there are so many examples I could give you of when um, there were ins- there was a lot of inspiration on my husband's part. Sometimes um, he would tell me we had a situation come up and he would tell me what he was feeling. And I would say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that shouldn't do that. That's not right. This was early on in the mission. <laughs> and then he said, no, I really feel like that's what I should do. And I'm like, okay, then whatever, you know, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that was right. But every time I was wrong and he'd received the inspiration. And when he took that course of action, it, it was the right one for that particular missionary or that situation. And I learned pretty fast to um, trust him. And that was one of the main takeaways from the mission for me was I needed to trust the inspiration my husband was receiving because he really did have the keys and that mantle. And um, he was honoring it and was very blessed to be able to use the Lord's guidance to help other people. Well, and, and uh, we're, we're mission leaders and the Sister Oli carried uh, equal load with uh, the mission. And so we would um, share ideas um, and we would uh, talk about things. I would have her input all the time. Every meeting we had, whether it be a mission leadership council with your mission leaders or a zone conference or a district meeting, Robin would teach, she would train, um, she would give input um, and so it's not the mission president and then the wife, it's mission leaders. And so Sister Oli was amazing in, in that. Um, and Zach and, and uh, Jordan, you, you both kind of referred to it. Um, these young missionaries, um, you know, I, I told you that we have an interview with them every four to six weeks. And that's a one-on-one. And it's you shut the door, you visit with them, and occasionally the mission things come up you know, and they need to talk to their mission president about it. So um, they're not talking to their parents about it. Usually they're probably not talking to their stake president because he's back in, you know, Jordan, Utah and, and here we're out in 
Indonesia, you know? And um, so they're talking with their mission president. So we had some really um, serious talks, sister missionaries, same things. They would have issues going on in their lives and, and we'd have a one-on-one. We'd always have someone outside the door waiting for the next interview. Um, um, But anyway, we'd have a lot of um, serious talks. So every four to six weeks, you're one-to-one with them. But as you remember, every week you write your mission president letter. And then every um, week I read him on Monday morning, all day, Monday, Tuesday, respond back. And so um, I won't take the time now, but I've got my final letters saved from my missionaries and, uh, and some of the things that they learned from the mission. And, um, and so think about it, two years on a mission for an elder, 18 months for a sister, um, you know, that's 24 months. Um, and that's four letters, you know, so that's a lot of letters. So you and I are having um, an intimate letter back and forth every week and an interview every four to six weeks and phone calls uh, once or twice every week or two. And so, yeah, yeah your success is, you know. I'm sure you got to know them very well. You do. Yeah. And so that's why now um, Robin and I, even still, we go to their weddings, their ceilings, mission reunions. You probably saw a couple of pictures on Facebook or Instagram on that. And um, we've got 14 missionaries coming down in a couple of weeks to spend time with us. And anyway, um, there are our friends and our missionaries. Yeah. They're like yeah. extended family now. Yeah. That's so awesome. they say once you're missionary, always your missionary. Once you're mission president, always your mission president kind of a thing. So now they've been home for a year or two or three and they'll call me and they'll say, Hey, I'm thinking about going to law school. Or I think about going to medical school or I'm having issues about this girl I'm dating. And, and we have all the same kind of discussions that we had when <laughs> we're in the mission field. Well, that's kind of cool. That's fine. I was going to ask, you got to serve each with, you know, you, you've been married, you celebrated your 40th anniversary on your mission. I, I saw that on the Instagram. Again, you did a great job of documenting. <laughs> I really enjoyed looking at it. Oh, pictures. I did at least for the first 18 months. <laughs> well, that's when we had our first kid. So I was busy. Oh, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, you've known each other for 40 years, but then you serve, you know, mission president and companion for, for those three years. What did you learn about each other in those three years that you didn't know before, even though you'd been married for 40 years? I learned how much my husband loves Indonesian food. He said the food wasn't that great, but he loves it. He loves the spicy stuff. He could eat it even in the dirtiest of places. It didn't bother him that things were dirty and filthy. I, on the other hand, could not do that. So, um, yeah, I learned that about him. What else? What did you learn about me? Um. What Don't make it too mushy or I'll cry. <laughs> uh, Robin was great. Let me show you here a map of our missions. And um, so. This is like an eighth of the world that you're pointing at right yeah, now. <laughs> it is. Um, in fact, the Asia area, which we were assigned to, has half of the world's population. And members of the church are probably 0. 0.0001 uh so this area of the world is um, just as culturally shocking as you can from the Mesa yeah, bubble. And, right. And so, and the missionary work to be done in the Asia area is. Fields white. Oh, the Asia area field. includes like India and um, Indonesia, yeah, Thailand, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, 
Burma, Hong Kong. Philippines are carved out now in a separate area. But it's growing crazy out there too. Yeah. 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 So the white here is all of Indonesia. And even the island of Borneo is split in half and Malaysia is one mission and Borneo, Indonesia is the other mission. But these islands, we have members all the way up here in Sulawesi and Manado. Up here in Sumatra, we have members up here in Maidan. Um, we go all the way up to Penang on the Thai border. Uh, we go all the way up here to um, uh, Sabah in East Malaysia. Um, here we had 13 different sultans in Malaysia with 13 different governments, 13 different regulations. Um, and Sister Rolly and I were either stationed in Singapore or in Jakarta. So imagine this for three years, uh, every Thursday you get on an airplane and you fly somewhere. And then every Sunday or Monday you get on an airplane and you return back to the mission office. and they're 52 weeks in a year. And so for three years, so that's 150 flights that Sister Rolly and I went on. So you'd go to an airport, two or three hours in a car to get to the airport, two or three hours at the airport. Then you get on an airplane, two or three hour flight. Then you go do your work and then you come back. So what I learned from Sister Rolly is she's a pretty hardy traveler. Uh, and <laughs> that reminds me what I just remember... I mean, this is a huge area. And we, when he said we'd get on the plane on Thursday, that's to go out and, you know, meet the members and meet the missionaries, work with the members and missionaries. One thing I learned that I didn't know before, my husband walks extremely fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trailing behind him with my carry-on, trying to catch up to him because he's, you know, he's in a hurry. Still walking he with the dumbbell to, in the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get there and, and get started. He's just very... Um, excited and happy to serve. And he shows that by the way he walks. He doesn't like it when people walk slowly. <laughs> Places to go. So 150 airplane flights, uh, 300,000 miles. Um, if you and, were to spread this uh -huh. over to where the end of Indonesia is, it's like going from California to New York. And then from Michael, the, and the, it, geographically, I mean, that's how big. So you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're doing out. that quite a bit. Huh? Yeah. It's a wow. three hour flight from Jakarta up to it's four hours, yeah, to, to Manado. Manado, four wow. hours from that's that right there is like to New York. This is uh, Papua, which is even further. One thing we haven't asked yet. So, as a mission president, you're not supposed to come back, but y'all have kids, and life goes on. Um, grandkids are, I'm sure, born, and you know, events happen. How was that for you guys as as parents to kind of dis not, not, not necessarily be distanced, but not be present in some of those situations. Yeah, it was really hard. We had one baby born right before we left. So we knew her for like two weeks. Then we had three others that were born while we were serving and we weren't there for those births. Um, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, we were fortunate. All of our kids did come to visit us. Oh, okay. So they, they didn't bring all the grandkids, but but we did get to see all the kids. So we were felt really blessed that they would make that sacrifice. Um, but it, that was the sacrifice for me was to not be with our kids. That, the rest of it was hard, but the real sacrifice was not to be with your family. Thank goodness for FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and, and like it says in the scriptures in DNC 31, you know, um, open your mouths and invite others to come into Christ and your family shall live. And so we know that our family was blessed um, by our service, whether it be uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but they were greatly blessed. And then uh, we live on a schedule. And so you schedule, I think it was every Sunday night or Monday night, we'd have a, uh, back then it was Skype or FaceTime call, mm-hmm. but we'd have a call with the kids and and uh, they'd call Robin um, flat screen I was flat grandma. Flat grandma. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> flat, you know, uh, and uh, and and all of that. So um, and their lives went on, but they they really were blessed, and we were grateful that they were able to come out at least once and spend a few days with us too, and kind of see what the mission was like. And when they came out, they'd go out and teach. Oh wow! And they'd go to baptism. They'd go to zone conferences. That's awesome. And then, like, if you came out, I'd say, "Hey, uh, Jordan and Kelsey, would you go ahead and teach uh, about the doctrine of Christ for zone conference?" Oh, and, that's awesome. And then they teach something about the restoration or something. Anyway, so that, that was fun. You put them to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had mentioned your grandkids and uh, we, we've been talking for a bit. Are there any stories or experiences that you want to share to, I mean, you, you've shared a lot, but anything that's, you know, that you kind of want recorded for, for them to be able to hold on to from your mission or, or something you learned or. There's, that's a, that's there's a really so many broad, big question. <laughs> I, I have a whole section in the back of this one journal about things that happened in uh, um, just blessings of the Lord. Um, I called it the hand of the Lord. When we, when the hand of the Lord was so evident in, in something. Um, and I don't know how I could choose one of them to use, but um, I don't know. His hand was there all the time, though. I mean, whenever we needed help, we were blessed. Whenever a missionary needed help, they were blessed. Um, Sometimes it took a little longer than others, but most of the time for me, it was instantaneous. I had to do a lot of computer work, and every time when I was on the computer, I mean, things just did not go smoothly over there. I mean, nothing went smoothly, and even computer stuff got messed up a lot of times. So whenever I had a problem, I would say a prayer. Suddenly the answer would be there. So I know the Lord blessed me in that because I couldn't have done it all with, without his help. Um, whenever a missionary needed help, we, like I said, with the, with the, um, with the medical stuff, uh, the Lord blessed me to know what to, to help them with. Um, so, one thing you'd like to leave? Yes. Well, we prayed for our kids every day, multiple times. They prayed for us, and we felt their prayers. And uh, our grandkids prayed for us. Um, we know that our grandkids will be blessed on their missions because their parents and their grandparents served. And, um, and even more than what sometimes you say, it's the example that you set. And so we hope that the example that we set by um, leaving our career and leaving our creature comforts and leaving our friends and going over and doing a very difficult thing, uh, we hope that that's a legacy for them as well of in the church we serve. And, you know, so um, I, I think that it was very clear to them. So I know they're blessed because. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, wrapping up, President Rule, you've got, you sent me this text with uh, 
a lot of, it says some keys to a successful life. And, um, it, I can tell you've been thinking about this quite a bit and, and, uh, I, we, we kind of, I've kind of told you, you know, what, I, I know your missionaries are going to be watching this. So kind of what words do you want to share with them? And, and I, I imagine this is probably a bit of it and just your thoughts and things that you want to pass on. Well, yes. So throughout the mission, um, we were taught by the Asiatic presidency and by the seventies and the quorum of the 12, we were taught to never pass up a teaching moment. We were also taught uh, never to disregard a spiritual prompting or a spiritual nudging, uh, as elder Rasband said. Um, and so when you felt something and if we were in tune enough and you felt something nine times out of 10, that's from the Lord and it's the spirit guiding you. And I'm not sure where the quote was, but maybe one out of 10, the prophet Joseph Smith said, you know, every once in a while, it's just your thought and not the spirit. But most of the time as mission leaders, um, when you feel an impression, it's from the Lord. And so we would take those opportunities to always teach. And so we would always teach. And, um, you know, if a missionary came into a meeting and he was slouching back a little bit or he was daydreaming or he fell asleep or um, you'd look in the eyes and you, the spirit would just say, I need to talk to Elder Carpenter. And you'd just walk up and say, Elder Carpenter, could I visit with you for a few minutes? And he'd like, oh, dang, I'm president now, <laughs> you know? Um, and, um, and that wasn't me. Um, that was the Lord saying, you know, you need to reach out to him. And so we'd always teach. And so the missionaries would always, um, they love their mission president. You loved your mission president and, and missionaries that are listening to this that are going out, they're going to love their mission president and companion uh, mission leaders. And, um, and so we would have good talks and they'd all, you know, they'd, as we're riding in on a bike and we're going out through a jungle or we're in a taxi or going on a subway, they'd say, uh, president Rowley, how'd you decide what career you wanted? You know, or how'd you decide how to, uh, marry sister Rowley? You know, so they, they, all of those kinds of things. And so anyway, over the years on our mission, I would keep notes and I would tell them, here's some things that how to be successful in life, like always pay your tithing, always be obedient, attend the temple, uh, listen to the spirit, repent daily. And as you go down these quotes, um, many of them are from me or something that's, that jumped out at me. Uh, get as much education as you can. I have a doctorate and I think it's really important for kids to get a good education. Take the time, do it right. Measure twice, cut once. Anything you do, do well. Um, the way you do anything, Jordan, is the way you do everything. You know, I mean, and, and so if, if you talk to my missionaries, you're going to hear statements like that all the time. Uh, keep your lines in the water, fish where the fish are, you know? Um, and uh, so anyway, you can go through that. Start right, finish right. President uh, Nelson says, begin with the end in mind. And I, I say, start right, finish right. But if you start right, you finish right. Uh, just like flying an airplane. If you take off right and, and before you land, if you uh, do your pattern work right, you're going to land right. You know, so it applies to any career, anything you, you know, that you do. Um, if you keep doing the same thing, you get the same results. So if we want to improve our key indicators, what do we do? Change it up, do something different. Preach my gospel says talk with everyone. So that means talk with everyone, you know, mm -hmm. and it says invite them to come into Christ. 
one of the quotes in Preach My Gospel and in a talk is, when you meet somebody, run as fast as you can to the sacred grove and the restoration and the Book of Mormon. And how do you get to that, you know? And how do you do that in one minute on a subway or two minutes in a taxi or one minute on the street? And um, march to the sounds of the drums. Um, our, in our leadership training, there's a quote from President Monson, the mantle of leadership is not the cloak of comfort, but the robes of responsibility. So anybody in the church that has a leadership position shouldn't feel haughty, like, hey, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge responsibility, you know. And, um, so anyway, yeah, um, these are good. Yeah. These, these some, are all fantastic. I like this one. A mission is hard until you decide it's not. I feel like every, everybody goes through that at one time. Hey, I have to tell you the history of that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hear it. Um, you may know Elder Wong. He spoke in last, in our last conference, Sam Wong. And he was, um, he was also a mission president, but he was in the, um, Asia area presidency when we served and he and his wife had come to Jakarta to teach, um, on, on a mission tour or a, a visit. And his wife got up and she said, you know, I was going through my son's things. He was a return missionary and I was looking at his pictures with him. And I said, son, was your mission difficult? And he turned to her and said, um, your um, a mission is difficult until you think it is not, and I think that was a very Chinese way of saying, you know, you've got to be positive minded. But um, that quote from her son just stayed with me, and so I would share that all the time with the missionaries because the places where they served were very difficult places. They were not easy places to serve physically and um, even sometimes emotionally because sure. of just the, the stress of being in those environments. And so you just really had to have your head wrapped around and have a positive attitude. But that was from Elder Sam Wong's son. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I think it's hard to like <laughs> sum everything up into one episode, but we, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough for, for coming on here and, and shedding, you know, the aspect of a mission president, you know, we've, we've interviewed all these missionaries and uh, it's about time we get a mission president and just hearing that, you know, you rely on the same person, uh, to help you get through, you know, your hard times. And that's our heavenly father, you know, rely on the spirit to, to guide you to where you need to go. And I'm sure just like any, you know, anything I would tell any of my young men, there's no secret to a mission. Uh, I'm sure there's no secret to being a mission president, right? That's why your training was three days. <laughs> they said, Oh, you're worthy to hold the spirit. The spirit, the spirit will let you figure it out. That's but exactly I, right. Yeah. Well, wrapping up, would you mind sharing your testimonies? And if you don't mind sharing in Bahasa, if you can, or Spanish, right? or Spanish or English, I, I know you, <laughs> but I've never heard you speak Indonesian. So that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I can. For you, she already you already said you you I like didn't could bring my right. Cheat sheet, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Uh, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, well, I just am so grateful for the opportunity we had to serve. Um, it felt like a big uh, vote of trust from our heavenly Father and and big shoes to fill. 
and we were very, um, I was very scared and I, I know we were both very humbled by the opportunity, but as we served there, we did feel, as I've mentioned here today, the hand of the Lord in our lives. And I know beyond any shadow of doubt that, that, um, he supported us and helped us as well as our missionaries and also the, the people of the countries that where we served so that they could fill the spirit. Um, and so that they could join the gospel. One thing I learned over there was how wonderful the people are. They were so sweet and loving. The local people were just the most incredibly selfless people. They would do anything for the missionaries or for us. And that wonderful love that they shared is, is a manifestation of the love of Jesus Christ. So I felt his love every day through the people and through our missionaries and I know the gospel's true. I know that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that we can repent and come unto him, and that we can um, be guided and directed through the Spirit uh, if we do what our Heavenly Father asks us to do. The plan of salvation is real, and um, I'm so thankful for the prophet Joseph Smith and all he did to restore the gospel to the earth. I love the Book of Mormon. I learned to love it even more because we studied it all the time. And as I continue to study it, I recognize it as a, the guiding direction in my life, along with all the other scriptures and, and the living words of the prophets. Um, I'm so grateful for the uh, my husband and that we were able to serve together. I love him very much. And he was very inspirational to me and um, supportive. And it was a wonderful experience. And I just know that the gospel is true through all these wonderful experiences that we've had. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Saya sangat bersyukur bagi peluang untuk berkumpul bersama dan membahas mengenai misi dari Indonesia dan Singapura di Malaysia. Saya sangat bersyukur bagi Sister Rolly. Dia adalah rekan yang kekal dan saya mengasihi dia. Um, saya sangat bersyukur uh, juga um, uh, untuk uh, kita Mormon, uh, pemulihan gereja Yesus Kristus, uh, Nabi Joseph Smith, dan Nabi yang hidup sekarang, Presiden Nelson. Saya sangat bersyukur bagi kesempatan untuk melayani sebagai uh, pemimpin misi Indonesia um, dan Singapura dan Malaysia. Ya, itulah uh, Peluang kesempatan yang luar biasa. Um, saya tahu bahwa Tuhan hidup, bahwa um, uh, Roh Kudus akan mengasihi, uh, membantu dan menolong kami dalam segala hal. Uh, bila kami berdoa dan minta kepada Tuhan, kita akan diberkati uh, dengan kesempatan, dengan kesehatan jasmani dan rohani. Saya sangat bersyukur bagi keluarga saya yang kekal dan saya sangat bersyukur bagi kesempatan ini untuk berkumpul dan um, bersaksi uh, dan berkongsi kesaksian mengenai gereja Yesus Kristus dari orang suci zaman akhir. Dan saya um, uh, membagikan kesaksian ini dengan syukur dan kasih dalam nama Yesus Kristus. Amin. Amin. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on. We'll we'll post this on a Sunday and we'll let you know so you can share it with your missionaries. Thank, thank you. you.